podcast one production. This is Global Truths with Dr. Keith Souter. Today we are talking Steve Bannon. Notorious. No one knew who this guy was about a couple of years ago, but then he still, actually during the Trump campaign, he headed up the Trump campaign, by the way, he, no one knew who he was then either. He always played a very um, behind the curtains type of role. Um, didn't do interviews, uh, wasn't really visible except for a few pictures, um, but he almost was the reason that Trump got into power. Let's talk about him. Yeah, so I think Steve Pannon is a, an American political mastermind. So I would see him in the same category as someone like Karl Rove. Again, not ne- necessarily well known. Karl Rove was called Bush's brain. So Karl Rove got a fairly mediocre political candidate, George W. Bush, elected in 2000 and re-elected in 2004. Despite reading a book upside down on TV <laughs> worldwide when the <laughs> September 11 crash happened. Oh, exactly. So Karl Rove brought discipline and organisation to the Bush campaign, came up with the winning slogan, God, gays and guns. We love God, hate gays and think everybody should have a gun. The problem for the Republicans is that they could not create a similar type of person for 2008, which is when Senator Obama won it, or in 2012 when uh, President Obama got re-elected. The people who were running the Republican campaigns then said, Karl Rove represents the old order, is the Bush dynasty. We want to be separate from that. So they didn't really make the most use of his brains. But you do need, within successful American campaigns, you do need a backroom person. So as you say, uh, Steve Bannon is that backroom person for President Trump. He was able to work out what works for Trump supporters. So if you, again, going back to the end of 2015, so we're, we're moving into the, the um, first half, if you like, of the election campaign. They're in two halves. The first half is winning the nomination for your party. The second half which is from the summer onwards until November, is then winning what's called the general election. So 2015, this longer first half, 2015 begins with the field wide open. There was no obvious Republican contender. We knew who the Democrat would be, Mrs Clinton, right? That The Democrats had already decided for good or ill that it was going to be Mrs Clinton. Um, but she was, of course, challenged by Senator Sanders. But the Democrat Party said, no, we want to have Mrs Clinton. The Republicans, by contrast, had 18 or 19 contenders, who then, including Jeb Bush, by the way, you know, the Bush dynasty had decided it's Jeb's turn next, right? We've had George in the White House twice. Now it's Jeb's turn, the brother. So, But he got knocked out quite early on. So these 18 or 19 Republican contenders were busy knocking each other out. And by the time we get to August of 2016 and towards the end of that first part of the campaign, when you're moving towards who would be the Republican contender, then it was Trump was the last person standing. And Bannon uh, and Trump had struck up this relationship. Um, Bannon, I describe as a follower looking for a leader. So when you look at Bannon's career, he's always gravitated towards someone else who he thinks should be the leader. He, he has no um, aspirations to go to, into power himself. 
He's a backroom person. So he was a great supporter of Sarah Palin, for example. So give us a quick history of his um, professional career because it's quite interesting. Yeah, he was born in 1953 from a working-class Irish Catholic family in Richmond, Virginia, which is the heartland of the Confederacy, and he's very anti-establishment. So he's got a chip on his shoulder. So he goes into the US Navy and was there during the 1979 Iranian hostage crisis. That's when the Iranians with the overthrow of the Shah and the Ayatollah Khomeini coming to power, that's when they took over the American embassy. Uh, the reason being that the last time the Shah had fled the country, CIA, based in that embassy, had plotted for his return in the, in the, in the middle of the 50s. And so they figured, oh, well, they'll do the same thing again. But the Americans had forgotten their history. The Iranians remembered their history the Americans have forgotten their history. So when the demonstrators approached the embassy, the gates were left wide open for them to move in and they took over the embassy and those diplomats for 444 days. So that was the Iranian hostage crisis, destroyed President Carter's career. He could not get re-elected uh, because clearly it just caused so much embarrassment for the United States. Bannon was on board a US naval ship at this time and felt that national humiliation. So he leaves, that serves his time in the Navy, goes to Harvard Business School, then goes on to work for Goldman Sachs, as you normally do with the Harvard Business School graduates. So that explains his financial contacts. He is well-connected, not because of his early life, he's a working-class kid, but because of the links through Harvard, the Harvard Business School, and then uh, Goldman Sachs. He then went into the movie-making business. So he's made a, uh, a total of 18 movies up until 2016. They're all very limited circulation. They're all very much dealing with the threat to American civilization. It's apocalyptic. We're being overwhelmed by Muslims or the Chinese threat. And as we speak, uh, his latest movie has gone back to making movies. Now that he's been sacked from the White House, he's Trump at war which is getting more of an airplay this time round than his previous movies. So he was someone who was looking for a leader. At one point, uh, he uh, supported Sarah Palin, former governor of, of Alaska. Um, he thought that she could become the first ever Republican presidential contender. In the end, of course, she ended up as a vice presidential candidate. Um, and um, then after her failure, he then moves to Trump. What I find interesting about Bannon, I, d I don't say this that I approve of what he's about, but what I find interesting is that he is a deep thinker. Mm. So, right, so if you look at what goes on in American politics today, it's all froth and bubble, it's all trivial stuff. If you look at the Australian context, by the way, of the top 20 TV programs in Australia, 17 are on sport, three are on cooking, right? That just shows where our interests are, right? Mm. Bannon, by contrast, sees the United States as be being confronted with a real crisis. And so all of the work that he's done in developing what's called the alt-right, so it's an alternative right. So the normal right is the Republican establishment, right? That's the party of Bush. Really religious and, yeah, yep. Tea Party type thing you're talking? Well, that's the alt-right. Okay. Oh. Now, the, no, no, standard Republicans would be the Bush dynasty, right? And so what he's done is to create the alt-right, the alternative right, which is right, but not at all connected with the Bushes. So that, for that reason, therefore, the Bushes boycotted the Republican convention in 2016. They did not want to be associated with this contender, Trump. That I think they would have been happy if Clinton had won. 
because they so disapproved of this. But the alt-right are the people, as you say, the Tea Party movement who have no confidence in the uh, US government. Um, and you've got others, conservative Christians as well, have now come on board, a remarkable development there as well. So Bannon has gone for populism, right? So the Republican Party is traditionally the party, the establishment, the money class in Northeast United States. That era has gone. And instead he is now going for ex-Democrat voters in blue-collar areas who are ones who have lost out in globalisation. So the jobs have gone to China. So Bannon's argument is that we now have a middle class in China, but it's at the expense of the middle class in the United States. And he was one of the first to really tie in or zone in on the fact that there are all these disaffected middle class white people. Absolutely. So he's a very shrewd operator. Uh, That's why I put him in the same category as Karl Rove. Very shrewd. So Trump, I think, intuitively was coming to this point of view as well. The value of Bannon is that he's the intellectual force that brings it all together and comes up with an anti-globalisation program, a populist uh, program, uh, one that is also focusing very much against Islam. Remember, he'd had his own traumatic experiences with Iran (laughs) and the Iranian revolution and also against China and the need for an economic war with China. So this is a guy who's a deep thinker, um, rather apocalyptic in his vision. I can't imagine he would have any sense of humour. He has a terrible pub- private life. I won't go into all the details, but he's not a, a nice, cuddly husband, I've got to say. Oh. Oh, dear. A very, you know, when you look at what people have to say about his private behaviour. Oh. So he's a very tortured individual. No sense of humour. But, you know, he, he is convinced that America is confronted with a major crisis. So I saw him being interviewed by Lee Sales on the ABC and he was very articulate. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you can see absolute piece of work. Like he had his own agenda, of course, um, but you could tell that he really had put so much thought into yeah. um, his philosophies. Exactly. And and that interview is very famous. It's ending up now on American websites, etc. Because remember, this guy doesn't give media interviews. He works in the media, but doesn't give interviews for the media. And and for reasons best known to the ABC, he gave that interview. It is an extended, it goes on for 40 minutes. I recommend people to download it from YouTube. It's all over YouTube now. And it's a very clear exposition of what he's about. I've got to say that the ABC journalist involved has been heavily criticised because a lot of people said, oh, you've given that guy a platform. But I think it's useful to, to find out what motivates this person. Oh, I agree. As much as you can criticise someone like Steve Bannon, for, to, you need to understand the way he thinks to yeah. understand the, the battle going on in American politics. Yeah, exactly. So Bannon then is, has been brilliant at mobilising the populist grassroots. Mm. Um, unfortunately for him, he, kept, he, he is bright and kept telling everybody he's bright. <laughs> <laughs> which is ter- terminal in the White House. That's why he got sacked oh, by Trump. I didn't know that. I, don't, I actually never knew the reasons he got yeah. sacked. Yeah, Trump, you know, figures I'm the, I'm the only smart person in the White House. And as you know, I'm the smartest person ever to be in the White House, according to Trump. So he really resented the fact that there were people, you know, obviously like myself, who'd say, well, Bannon is the real brains in the White House. And so Trump sacked him. So Trump at War, the latest movie made um, uh, uh, in the last few days, in effect, Trump at War is, in a sense, Bannon's way of trying to ingratiate himself back in with Trump in the hope that Trump will reappoint him. 
You're listening to Global Truths with Dr. Keith Souter. Yakking away we are. We get on a big roll and we forget to take a break. Um but we're talking about Steve Bannon today, who was the brains behind Trump's ascension to uh, presidency, yeah. and what an intellectual powerhouse he really is, and very well, he is—he's in tune with the disaffected white yeah. population of America. He knew how to com- to communicate with them. The messaging he gave Trump to put out there worked. And we're just talking about the movie he's made because he's gone back to things being sacked from the White yeah. House. He's gone back to making movies and. Trump at war. This is to do with the midterm elections we keep talking about, right? Oh, yeah. This is aimed at getting the Republican faithful out there to vote for Trump in November. But So the loyalty is still there. Oh, he he is still very loyal to Trump. As I say, he is a follower in search of a leader. Mm. And Trump, for him, is still that leader. Now, no doubt in due course they might come across other Republicans, but at the moment it is Trump that he wants to remain on good terms with, even though Trump has, has dismissed him from the White House because he was boasting too much, so... Uh, right. Uh, so in terms of, and this is why I always wonder about the state of American politics, I mean, Trump really did win. Yes, they were very effective at communicating with these people and then, you know, even now I've got friends who are American who go back there and say it's just so divided because the Trump supporters are so passionate. Yep. So he has sort of elicited that very passionate, emotive response in Trump supporters, but then on the flip side, Trump really only got in because he's got that those people that were just not sure about Clinton, so they voted for Trump, but this time now have seen what he's like, so might go, oh, what a mistake. Like, <laughs> terrible, terrible mistake. Do you think that that population who is so passionate about Trump, anything that happens to Trump, where does that go? Well, that's a good question. Now, Mike Pence would say if anything happens to Trump, hopefully they will continue to support Mike Pence. Mike Pence from childhood believes that he's ordained by God to become president. So, oh, God. <laughs> so, so, don't most people say that we'd be in more trouble with Pence being in, in well, the presidency? He, you know, he is a mainline Republican. God, gays and guns. Hates gays. Hates gays, loves guns. Oh, gosh. So, um, so he would be, you know, he would pl- plug back into that Republican heartland. So if anything were to happen to Trump, yeah, yeah, you and you get it automatically. There's no fresh election. He would serve out the residue of Trump's term mm. in office. So Mike Pence automatically becomes president. But at the moment, of course, Trump thinks he's going to get um, uh, not so much re-elected in November because he's not up for a yeah. re-election, but certainly he's hoping the Republicans will be able to maintain control of the lower house as well as the upper house, both the Senate and the House of Representatives, that way it'll preserve him from problems with impeachment or anything else. Okay, so then where does Steve Bannon go from here? Stay, sticks with making movies or moves on? Well, he's someone who's turned out to be incredibly flexible. You know, he's the one who developed some of the alt-right reasoning. His own view is that America is undergoing a profound crisis. So one of the books that he recommends um, is by a couple of writers called Strauss and Howe, who have looked at American generations and argues that each generation moves into a different cycle. Now, doing research on generations is nothing new, right? You know, we make comments about the the baby boom generation or we talk about these millennials, etc. So we're all very much attuned to this. What these two writers have explored is the way in which this cycle follows through. You start off with a with high this uh, feeling of highness, of, of, of real achievement, 
And then you get a, a, a rebellion that sets in. Then you get an unravelling due particularly to individualism, uh, triumphing over the institutions, and then you get the crisis. So this, so he would say, looking back at American history, you have um, a point of crisis for the American War of Independence, so that's 1776. Then you get a fresh crisis, so you get the cycle going through again. You get um, the 1930s and the Great Depression, World War II, um, and uh, we're now going through, oh, also, of course, the American Civil War in the 1860s. So we're now going through a fourth turning. In other words, the fourth crisis for the United States. That's why I'm on the same wavelength as, as Bannon, right? That if you listen to Obama or more recently, Mrs. Clinton, she was trying to offer a message of hope that things were getting fine in the United States and, and all the rest of it. That was why I think she lost a lot of support in 2016 because a lot of Americans are saying, I am not making extra money from what I was doing 20 years earlier. The global financial crisis did knock me around. Now, Mrs. Clinton and her mates in Wall Street, they are done very well out of it. But ordinary Americans were feeling very angry and Trump, with Bannon, could mobilise that anger because Bannon is able to say, look, America is confronted with a severe crisis, which the politicians in Washington just don't understand. But Trump and Bannon reward the rich. I know. Openly. Only in the last two years since they've actually got into power. But they have given a tax cut to the poor, but that will cut out fairly shortly. But it, it might, who knows, it might be enough to help Trump's candidates get over the line in November. I know it's inconsistent. Um, the technique here is called moon, um, gaslighting. Have we dealt with gaslighting as no, a phrase? No, what does that mean? Gaslighting is, is now the new term. Um, Amanda Carpenter has written a book about it. She is a never-Trumper Republican, right? So you have people who are Republicans but would never vote for Trump, like the Bush dynasty. So Amanda Carpenter has written a book called Gaslighting. So gaslighting is uh, apparently a, a, a well-known play, which was a movie, mm. about a, a husband trying to send his wife mad. So he kept lowering the gaslight, a bit like the electric lights, but a gaslight in those days. And the wife was saying, oh, the lights are fading. And he was saying, no, 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 there's nothing wrong with the lights. He was trying to send her mad. Right, And so gaslighting has now become the new expression in America to describe Trump's ability to, as you say, to reward the rich while telling the poor, I'm giving you more money. Interesting. Gaslighting I is just, the new I just, expression. I wonder how long they'll get away with it. So Steve Bannon, it's a watch this space type scenario then, Keith? Absolutely. Bannon is a brilliant operator and will continue to be in operation for quite a while yet. Oh, I bet, especially after having such a massive high of getting the president elected. Exactly. This has been Global Truths with Dr Keith Souter. It's recorded in the studios of Podcast One. Producer is me, Kate Mack. Production assistance by Liv Proud. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. And for more episodes, head to podcastone.com.au or download the Podcast One app.